You're listening to the Heart and Soul Podcast, where we celebrate vulnerability and shameless living. No topic is off limits when you're chatting with your besties. Let's own our worth and walk empowered towards truth together. What's up, y'all? Welcome to episode <laughs> two of season two Wow! of the Heart and Soul Podcast. It's weird starting over. We're starting fresh, baby. Two, two. Um... We already recorded today's episode with our guest, Parker Wilson, who's been on the podcast before, and I know you're going to love our conversation with her and just the enlightenment she brings both scientifically and spiritually to um, your earballs, as I like to call them, in the next hour is going to be magnificent. So get excited. Um, But before that, we are going to obviously go through our happies and crappies. Let's do it. So I'm starting. You want to start? Sure. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's getting dark already in here. I know. I I'm had like, to shut oh, the blinds oh. when Parker was talking because I couldn't look at her. It was yeah, it was my really eyes. bright. But now I'm starting to like be Fall like, asleep. oh, I'm sleepy. Um, I'm ready for spring. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm ready for spring. This, that always happens like after, right after Christmas and, and the new year. I'm like, all right. Honestly, winter should just end after the holidays. Right? Wouldn't it should really nice? just be a one-month situation. I mean, we have had really warm weather, which has been Yeah. Usually it doesn't lovely. get too cold until, like, end of January, beginning February. of February. Because it's always my birthday time. And I'm like, Meh. Yeah. And then February, March feels, like, so long until it gets warm. But anyway, I guess that's part of my crappy. <laughs> I'm ready for spring. I'm sick of the winter. Um, and I'm also just ready for... Um, things within my job to pick up a little bit. It's been really nice and it was needed to have the holidays and some downtime because it's only going to get crazier. And I know I'm going to like hate myself for even saying this once the spring comes because I'm going to be so busy. I don't even know what I'm going to do with myself. But um, I work well off of being busy and routine and having a full schedule. And so the last few weeks were nice, but I'm like over it. Yeah. And (laughs) I'm ready for some... A little more oomph to my schedule, and um, I've been using this time to get things ready for the new year, which leads me to my happy, which was my rebrand, finally launched yesterday. So good. Thank you. It Um, looks amazing. I've been working on this for months now, and I have a whole new look and feel to my brand, a whole new website. Um, I had a bunch of imagery done um to kind of add to the overall aesthetic that came out really well a new logo and a promo video that kevin filmed who was on the podcast last season as well Mm -hmm. towards the end towards the end i don't remember his episode number the only guy the only male guest (laughs) that we had (laughs) he shot my video um and it came out really really Mm -hmm. well i'm really really happy with the result and I got a lot of great response yesterday. So thank you guys, everyone who messaged me and reached out. Um, yeah, I'm just excited about it finally being out and done. And it looks so good because, well, one, it looks so you, but also the way that like you rebranded, it made it easier to flow from your old brand into that. Like it yeah. kind of transitioned well. Yeah. It wasn't like a shift, like you went from like this right. to that. Right. It was, it was more still, of like, an evolution yeah. type. It, it's not completely different in any means. But like it's, my, like, just exactly what... Yeah. That freshness you need. Yeah. My work is the same. It's... My 
logo colors are similar, not exactly yeah. the same. Um, but yeah, it just feels like the exact image and me that mm-hmm. I wanted to portray. So it's VU. Thanks. Yeah, girl, I'm I'm pumped for you. Um, okay, I'm gonna start with my happy. We are under contract for a home. Woo! So that's really super exciting. We went under contract on Saturday, and I guess my crappy is that a lot of things go into that. Like, right. It's overwhelming. Now it's really overwhelming. Like, well, one, we don't even have furniture. We have a kitchen table and bedroom furniture, and that's it. So, like, thinking about the expenses to come and also, like, working with lenders and going through insurance and all this stuff, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. adulting is really hard. Why are we not renting anyway? Like, <laughs> you know? So, but... For the most part, it's just really exciting because it's, like, new and um, something that Michael and I get to experience together because we've never bought a home. So, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Yeah, we love it. We're excited. Um, I'll post pictures once we close in Jesus' name. Um, But until (laughs) then. When is that supposed to be? I think February 2nd, as of now. But it could always, like, change, extend, or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. So not too long, like three and it's a half go weeks. Go by quick. Yeah. yeah, you better start packing. packing. I know you better believe I'm hiring movers. <laughs> yeah, next time around I'm definitely doing. Oh, that. it's so hard to move. I hate it. It, get, it makes me more anxious than most things in life. Mm. I hate packing. I hate unpacking. That's See, the worst. See, I don't mind unpacking, but I hate packing. Packing stresses me out more than unpacking does. I guess that's true because when you're unpacking, you're excited to set it you're up. You're settling in and decorating and making it yours, whereas packing, you're just like, all right, I'm going to try to that's true. set myself up for a success when unpacking, which is stressful. Stress AF. But it's going to be great. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's be wonderful. Um, so if anyone has any furniture, <laughs> yep. shoot me a DM. Um, well, before we get into our interview with Parker, a really special thing happened last night. Dun dun dun. dun 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 The Bachelor premiered. It's back, baby. Oh, here we go. Which means we're back with our short, kind of short, Bachelor recaps. We'll try to keep it short. Because honestly, this is just time for us to talk about it. It's really, <laughs> hopefully you listen to this part, but like this is very enjoyable for us to, you know. Also, spoiler alerts, if you have not tuned in If you in haven't watched the episode, episode, go ahead and skip to the interview now and then come back and listen to this yeah. later. Yeah. Um, so I took some notes on my phone because... <laughs> of course you did. Be, honestly, because I remember last season when we would record, I would come here and like forget what happened. Right. Like little funny things that, you know, happened throughout yeah. the night. So I was like, I need to make sure to take some notes. So first of all, what are your overall vibes of how this season's going to go? I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be a really good season. Yeah. Um, I'm left very confused, though, on... Mm-hmm. on how things are going to go down and how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot. I really love Peter as as a bachelor. Yeah. I don't know if he's necessarily, like, the guy I'd go for, but maybe. He has kind of, like, that sweet little boyish charm thing that I like. But I think he's perfect for the bachelor because he is, like, so giddy about yeah everything in the process and falling in love. The only thing, there was a couple times, I agree, I love him. I think mm-hmm. he's a little cutie pie and just a sweetheart. Um, the only thing that I, there was a couple instances last night where 
the girls you could just see right freaking through them. Yeah. And they're so like, ugh, like you just Oh, the girls don't uh and he would be like, Oh, I have a really good feeling about you. Yeah. I'd be like, oh. You are an idiot. Like why like are when you a girl saying? when a girl would steal him and he would yes. be like Yep. So giddy to talk to them. I'm like, she was just such a butthole to talk to you. Yeah. Just a few of them. I was like, mm, I feel like he's a little naive, which is kind of how I felt with Hannah's season. Like, yeah. He just, I think it was cute and I think it was real how he felt about her, but I was also like. He's kind of a hopeless just, romantic. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just hope he, you know, stays guarded and is mature about the decision right. and not. I don't know. So, who do you think... Well, first of all, before I ask this, how many times do you think they're going to make pilot references throughout the season? Oh, my gosh. How many times... already over the top. Do you think he said co-pilot? Just those two words (laughs) in the first episode. Uh, If we were playing a drinking game from it, I would be wasted. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be passed out. I would have just woken up. My favorite was when... (laughs) I don't remember what her name was. The one flight attendant comes, she's like, I'm a flight attendant, so, like, I'm different. And yeah, then, and then all the other ones more. start coming on. That was so, the editing on the show is so funny. It's great. Um, Who was your best or favorite limo exit, speaking of? Who? Um, I, I, don't lo- I don't like any of them because I think it's really corny, and I don't mm-hmm. – I'm always like, ugh, vomit in my mouth a little bit. Um, but – I loved Victoria P. Yeah. Because she just kept it super genuine and simple. And that was like yeah. it. Um, I liked hers too. The girl with the grandma letter. I was like, okay, here we go. Uh, um, I love my grandma. Like she's my number one. But that. That was too much. It was like, hi, I'm so-and-so. And I have Here's boobs. a letter from my grandma. <laughs> like her dress was just. Yeah down to her belly button but his reaction when she was like she said something about like i'm really close with my grandma rosie and he got super excited and was like i love grandmas or i love no, he said my grandma's named rose too oh yeah, yeah yeah i was like okay um so yeah victoria p gave me the best first impression even though she didn't have a crazy like entrance the windmill thing i wanted to smack her Couldn't. the cow thing i was like no well first why? of all it would have been funny if she was funny but she was so awkward there was a few that were just she literally just handed them the cow and walked away that I was like, one girl <laughs> he was like how are you she's like i'm okay i, I was like i know <laughs> i was like dude i was like you are so boring i'm okay i liked madison's entrance on the paper plane that was cute that i was like, like the only plain one that i was like all right that's that's cute because she looked so awkward. Yeah. And I really like her, too. I like her, too. She's she's in my top contenders list, for sure. Um, um, my next note is Shein Stop. That girl Shein with the short... Um, oh, She approached yeah, yeah. Hannah Ann. Because mm-hmm. Hannah Ann, like, took her time mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then she, like, got all teary-eyed. And then in the group date later she on, again. she cried again. She's and I, my only note is just, like, stop. Just stop. Just please yeah. stop, Shein. Yeah, I agree. You're way too involved. Don't like her. In a process that's just, you're going home this week. Right? I mean, she's going home this week. I would think so. Yeah. Um, I also really like Kelly. Love Kelly. I like, I. They have a great connection. Her, Madison, Victoria P, I think are going to definitely make it to the top five at least. Uh, are we doing predictions? Well, we'll see. I My mean, prediction for who Peter's going to pick for the top four for hometowns. Kelly, Madison, Hannah Ann, mm-hmm. 
And I feel like maybe I'm a little jaded because I heard a rumor, not from Reality Steve, about another one through one of my soul girls who, like, knows someone who knows her. But maybe someone else. I'm not going to spoil it. I'll tell okay. you after. Um, Hannah Ann's cute, but she's such a little, like, baby. I know. Like, she's so young. And I looked at her Instagram. She's already just, like, I don't know. She's a model. She's I'm been not, so famous already. I'm not judging, but I'm just, like, uh. I, I think that with her, she's just, like, I think she'll go far because she is the little cute girl that he pictured himself with. Yeah. Like, but I think that she's maybe just too aggressive. And she's the kind of girl who... She was like, I mean, he might say that, like, let's just ditch this whole thing. And I was like, honey, yeah. no. <laughs> but she's also the kind of girl who I feel like would be a really cool girlfriend until you hit a certain part where she knows she has you and then would just go insane the rest of your relationship. I think there's a, a very fine line and she's got some cray-cray in her. Like, she's going to flip a switch at one yeah, point. Yeah, I agree. Completely. Also, McKenna's going to go crazy. I hate her. Cannot. Cannot stand her. She's 22, first of all. I'm like... Why are you even on the show? I can't even with the ages right now. Look, I'm not saying like... You're 22, that's great, but you should not be... I don't want to say you shouldn't be on The Bachelor. Well, here's the thing. You shouldn't be putting all your hopes into getting an engagement ring... When you're 22. At 22 in four weeks, six weeks, or however long this process is. Not that people that are that age can't Can't. and shouldn't get married because there's plenty of people that are in love and... They have those relationships and they go for it. But to enter into something like this at that age when you haven't even like Yeah. I agree. Figured out life yet. Like you don't need to go on the bachelor yet. You haven't I don't know, I feel like going on the bachelor used to be like, oh well, um, you know, I've been around. I've been around. It used to be like that. I haven't met anyone, so like here's my chance. And now it's just like, all right, well I'm gonna go on because I wanna be yeah famous or they I literally think they're gonna get married. Yeah. So, I mean, whatever. Makes for good TV. But I'm like, you, I don't like her at all. Victoria P., I know that you like her, but I have some things to say. The motion sickness thing? (laughs) That's the first thing on my list. Okay. The teacup trauma. That was ridiculous. I literally laughed out loud at that. But that that was editors for sure. Yeah, I was going to say. But also what she was saying was like, I have just never been able to get over it. I know. It was dramatic. And that part, I was like, all right, that sucks. But... I think a lot of it was the editing, editing, and I can relate to that on a spiritual level because <laughs> I get very motion sickness, and I know like how sucky that would feel to to get sick like that and then like have it be in front of people and on national television. Yeah, so yeah, that's true. I was kind of like, but the editing for it. that was I know it was ridiculous. The music and like the flashback of the teacup. Oh I was like, spinning. oh my gosh. Stop it right now. Victoria P. I really like. I think she's a sweetheart. I just think that she is maybe walk all overable. Like, I think that maybe... And, and I say that because it just seems like... We're all insecure, right? But it seems like she has a, a little bit of more intense insecurities mm-hmm. with guys based off the things that she said with, like, I've never been given flowers or I've never been... T-. It's like she would she would take anything... Mm-hmm good or bad, if it was attention is kind of the vibe I'm getting. And I feel like he probably likes a meek woman. I think he can go either way, though. He probably likes a meek woman because he can, like, I was going to say, I think he's very, first of all, first thought on that is, I think that is his type. Mm -hmm. And we've said that. Which is not Hannah B. Right. Um, But I think 
your opinion on that is true, but it could go one of two ways. Like, she could either be just one of those girls that's, like, she hasn't given flowers because she's not, she's not, like, vulnerable and, like, going to Put herself out there, yeah. Like, you know, there could be two different ways of that. Like, oh, well, she either is a pushover or she's just, like, I'm not going to give anyone the time of day unless they're, like, worth it. You know? And I kind of saw that side a little bit more based on her yeah, that's that's true. But you know, we'll see. It's still early to be determined. I like her though. I think she, I think she's stunning. She is like unbelievably beautiful. She the really girls is. on this season are they're all dead. like tens. I'm yeah, like, holy I'm like, crap. wow, they really vetted for this season. Seriously, I was super jealous of the airplane obstacle date because it looked so freaking fun. What was all that orange slime? Stuff? I don't know. I'm not sure. It looked like vomit. <laughs> so but funny. that part was hilarious when they were like getting beat up by to, the fan and yes, getting falling. That was my favorite. That looked like such a fun date though, for real. And they're all being so dramatic about the whole. I'm like, she cheated. I'm like, it's not like they freaking enforced it. She just went for and it. And they obviously Calm let down. her win. Yeah, she didn't cheat if she won. I know. So. Um, yeah. I think that. Madison's first date was actually incredible. Yeah. I mean, okay, here's the thing. That one got me because Jordan met my whole family on our second date. Very similar. Mm-hmm. And we're married. Mm-hmm. I... It went really well. Uh, okay, so when... Hannah was on Colton season and he took her home to meet his family for that day. It was awkward because they were just like sitting in the couch in the living room. Right. Like it was forced. This was like a really good thing to bring her into because it's like a ceremony. She can sit and watch and not all the attention's on her. It's on the parents. Also, I sobbed. So I'm obsessed <laughs> with Barbara and Peter. I know. I was crying so much. I listened. So this is so ultra fan of me but like three <laughs> days ago I listened to a podcast that interviewed them really and they're precious Ugh. she's a lot like she's like this that that mom like oh she feels yeah. everything but she's so sweet Ugh, I lost it it was adorable I loved it I loved everything about it I and thought it was great Madison killed it she did she did great with the family I feel like she was pretty like the mom really liked her which is huge for Peter I love that she's, like, a badass athlete. Love that she's an athlete. And she, like, didn't even talk about it. Yeah, she's like, oh, by the way, I was, like, I won four state champions in yeah. college. And also loved the end when they had their alone time. And then to that sweet little song, which that girl was really good. Mm-hmm. And then all the family came in. And they were all dancing. It was so cute. I know. She's going far. She's going far. For sure. I love her. Me too. Um, do you have any other notes? I mean, other than the thing that happened. Oh, Hannah G. Hannah B. I'm Hannah B. Sorry, there's so many Hannahs. Okay. So, I just, I do, I feel bad for both of them. Me too. I honestly do. I, I feel more bad for Peter, but I feel for both of them because I, first of all, I was like, all right, I wonder if. It was a producer thing to have mm-hmm. her come back and give him the wings and throw everyone off. Or if she, like, wanted to. And part of me feels like it's a little bit of both. both maybe yeah. at, at maybe the, the producer wanted her to come back, but she wanted to do the wing thing. Because yeah. that thing's super sincere. Right. And she gave him the wings. It did. And I think she was trying to own up to her decision. And um, I think that... Maybe, like, her going and seeing that 
how she still really felt. Like maybe she didn't even know how she really felt. Like I'm sure people were quick to mm-hmm. jump down her throat, but and she I, also said, "I picked Jed because he was comfortable, and that's what I've always done." She right. said that in this episode. Well, then he's like, "But then why would you pick why me third? Was I third and Look, I get it. I mean, Tyler. Look at Tyler. Look at Tyler. <laughs> but also, like, how is anyone supposed to figure out what they want to do when a, with a big decision like that and that short of a time frame? And, like, maybe it did take this whole experience for her to realize, like, oh, shoot, I made this wrong decision. But, like, in any other aspect, like, that would never happen in real life. So you can't really blame her for being confused and, yeah. like, regretting her decisions and being emotional over it because I mean she had a rough go around on her show rough time I'm sure there's a lot of things that she had to process and deal with and and then it was probably like oh she probably had those doubts for a while but she didn't want to go chasing back to Peter and when he's like I was your third choice and he's trying to move on and says yes to the bachelor and then she's like oh crap he's about to be the bachelor this is my only yeah it's a lot. Shot. Like, there's a, it's a lot. And then poor Peter's like, I thought... I love you. I, like, well, I wanted to be with you, and you rejected me. I thought right. this was done. And I thought this was, like, a complete... I don't even... I know what that feels like to be, like... You, you thought something was one thing, and then you hear from the other person that's completely, completely not. Different. And you're like, wait. And then you go back on everything. What? And then you second guess, and now he's about to be the freaking bachelor, and he's like... Totally on the spot. It was really intense in that room, and her eye makeup was all I over <laughs> I know. the place. I do feel I'm curious to see. Obviously, I don't think she comes on the season because she's not in any anything else, and or she won Dancing with the she? Stars at the same time. So I'm like, there's That's no way she could have done both. But this was probably recorded a little sooner than that, right? But if she went far, she'd have to travel. Like, she couldn't stay in L.A. and still do Dancing with the Stars. True. So, I think that, I think they do nip it in the bud next week. That's my prediction. But that it's, like, a really emotional goodbye. And I think that whoever, if he did choose someone, whoever is watching that right now, is probably having a lot of doubts. Or a lot of insecurities of, like, do you still have feelings for your ex-girlfriend? Because it looked super, like, genuine. Yeah. Like, both of them were like, dude, what do we do? I know. Like, when she went across the room and sat on that table and was, like, looking at him, like, I don't know. I was like, that's something I would do. Yeah. Just, like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I felt for both of them, honestly. So, we'll see. I agree. I don't think, I don't think it would be fair to anyone for her to, like, go into the house. And, I mean, it's probably the last thing she wants to I would to never do. want to do that if yeah. I was her. Yeah. Talk about a target on your back. Ugh. Yeah. So I, I would just be like, happens, but. if you want to date, stop being bachelor. Right. The fact that he was even like, do you want to come on the show? Like I still I want like, my options, but he also is in production for like right. one of the biggest reality TV and, shows in the world. Yeah. But so. like, I don't know. What is he going to do? Like, well, if I don't meet someone, then I'll call you after. Like maybe, maybe they're together right now. Oh my God. What if? I've noticed she's been, like, really quiet on Instagram, but... Well, he, he she also posted that video last night that was, like, good luck. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And he said, thanks, Bama. Like, seems like they're just friends. You never know. They need to be keeping it under wraps. True. We'll see. It's definitely... 
quite a season over. I think it's going to be a a really good season. I wish it wasn't freaking three hours. I but. know. But they did cram it all in with good stuff. At least it wasn't fluff of like. True. Remember when the Colton season premiered and they did like those interviews all oh, over the yeah. world? That was the worst. It was such a waste of time. I'm glad they didn't do that. But yeah, it was it was good. Jam packed. Yeah. Um, we'll tune in next week to see what happens with Hannah Hannah yeah. B. <laughs> about to find out the beast and then i hope y'all enjoy this um interview with our dear friend parker Parker wilson Wilson. we love you bye all right we are back in studio with the parker wilson second returning guest second second returning guest macy was the first yeah so yeah hard act to follow no. Love that girl. I do, too. We do, too. We do, too. Yeah. She probably also didn't record when she had a cold, so. Well, yeah. and my dog has a cold next to me, so he'll be sneezing the whole time. All the sneeze. I've been sneezing, too. Tis the season. Tis the sneezing. Ah! <laughs> See what you did there? Ah! I haven't heard that before. Um, well, if you're new to Heart and Soul, Parker was a guest on episode... 16 Six, of season one. 16 of season one, because now we've We can seasons. say that now. <laughs> and... Um, you were, yeah, one of our first guests, probably like our fourth guest ever. And my first ever podcast. Yeah. yeah. Which is so fun. So fun. And now it's your second time. So welcome back. If you haven't heard all of Parker's story, then go back and listen to that episode in season one. Um, but she shared about her long and intense journey with infertility. Correct? Correct. So we're just going to check in with your life right now and see... <laughs> Where you're at, like, what's going on? What's changed in what's 2019? What's changed in, in It does not 20... feel like it's almost a year since we sat down with you for the first time. This is, it is really has wild. been almost a year, because it was in February, I think. Yeah, so... Maybe March. We, maybe March, yeah. Yeah, I think it was March. So when we last uh, were together on the podcast, not as friends in real life, because that's <laughs> thankfully a lot more frequent <laughs> Yeah, the podcast, yes. I had just gone through my final embryo transfer from... All embryos that we had from our first ever IVF round, we have one daughter from that round of IVF, and I miscarried our last remaining embryo late February, and I think we probably recorded like March or April. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty. It was, it was pretty, pretty shortly after. So when I left you guys in the spring, heart and soul team out there, <laughs> uh, we were still kind of in process of figuring out what next steps looks like. We weren't really sure, um, sure, my, my true self coming out. We weren't really sure what steps we were going to take. IVF, the first round, and I'd done things prior to IVF. So I did uh, anti-inflammatory diets and acupuncture, IUI, all kind, and other oral medications um, up to about four years before we started IVF, three and a half years before we started IVF. And we felt incredibly thankful and do consider ourselves very lucky to have gotten pregnant on our first ever embryo transfer. That definitely is rare. Mm -hmm. And we, we recognize that wholeheartedly and we have a spitfire two and a half year old. Mm -hmm. True, true spitfire. She is the best. (laughs) She should probably be on the podcast. She She really should. (laughs) She, her little voice, that video that you showed me of her singing. What was it? Amazing Grace. I was like, sobbing it was the cutest thing i've ever seen i haven't seen that one i don't think oh man it's it's i I think it might have been on the gram in stories it's pretty classic she she is very verbal i'm not sure where she gets that oh yeah yeah yeah. who who knows true extrovert very verbal 
So we transferred two embryos with our daughter, had her. We lost an embryo, we believe, really early in, about five or six weeks in. Um, I was actually at a birthday party and ended up in an emergency ultrasound. So we knew at that point we were pregnant with one. And then we had uh, our last embryo transfer, and I miscarried around six or seven weeks. So from there, we took – we probably spent – I'd say a few months just kind of recouping, waiting, praying, talking with friends. We knew that the financial and emotional and physical toll of IVF was a lot. As my very pragmatic and logical husband said, we also know it works and it's worked for us. Mm-hmm. And I definitely took that to heart. And, you know, I we also, when we drove away from our last appointment in Charleston, our fertility clinic is in Charleston, South Carolina, we both said this place feels like home. They've been our doctors for almost seven years. And he said, I just don't think our time there is done. I just, I think we need to give it one more shot. And I said, I, we, I will never forget. We went to Brasserie, my favorite restaurant here in Wilmington. Huge plug for Brasserie. Yeah. Love it. We um, had a beautiful dinner and I just remember looking over at him and I said, I know we need to give it one more shot. So let's give it one more shot. And I felt total peace. And, uh, At that same time, we started an infertility support group here in Wilmington called Even Still. And that's been a huge encouragement over the summer because the majority of women in our group have never done fertility treatments. So it's been great to talk through all of the things to expect and things doctors never tell you or you don't think to ask because you just don't know. So these are women who have like struggled with getting pregnant or keeping pregnancies. Correct. Like they've gone through miscarriages. Okay. Yes. Many of them have gone through really significant loss, much more than anything I've experienced. And a lot of them, uh, we have a few who've been unable to get pregnant for unbelievably long amounts of time. Mm. And have and similar to Thomas and myself, just didn't know Thomas is the hubs, by the way, in case I <laughs> forgot to mention that part. Just some random random yeah, guy. Just this guy that gives me advice. Yeah, just some guy I've been married <laughs> to for ten years. With. It's fun. It's yeah. I, just, I ask him his opinion every now and then. Uh, so yes, they. Uh, where was I going with that? They don't. Nece- they haven't necessarily had. And I think I mentioned this in the last podcast. There wasn't really for us a safe place that we felt comfortable walking through every possible scenario to building our family. And I think it was helpful to, and it has been to me and for these women to be able to explore every facet, ask every question, say what our fears are, what what the holdups are. We knew that IVF was on the table and we ended up not pressing forward for almost a year when we first discussed doing IVF, probably eight months or something like that. That feels like such a blur now looking back. So the summer was kind of intense in the best way. We started that group. I connected with really awesome women here locally. We actually don't have a fertility clinic in Wilmington anymore. It closed uh, several months ago. So now the majority of individuals here going through that, if they do seek medical treatment, end up going to Raleigh, Charlotte, or a couple have gone to Charleston as well. We obviously stayed there. So I think to be able to have community, even though a clinic wasn't here, yeah, was wildly helpful. Totally. Didn't realize how much I, I think, needed that. So what is it, sorry to interrupt, no. what does like, the group look like for the women that are a part of it? Are you meeting like every so often in person, or is it like an ongoing We all hang out in my living room once a month. Nice. So we, all, we were meeting at a church, which I loved, and we realized that 
it felt a bit more inviting to be in someone's home. I think even in a church setting, it can still feel somewhat standoffish. I also mentioned that we had a really hard time within the church setting, also exploring what, what infertility looks like. And I mentioned, I think this in the podcast too, one of the first, someone sent me a sermon of two men talking about infertility and what IVF stood for and what it meant. I just remember sitting back thinking, I appreciate where you're coming from and you're two men who yeah. not right. physically specifically walk this road, even though it certainly has its impact for sure on spouses, but yeah. I think in a really different way than but it like does. like a physical right. toll on your body. For yeah. sure. Like, so we wanted to pull it out of the church um, just to give more space to anyone in any season of life, you know, to be able to talk through it. So we right. meet once a month and um, each person talks through where they are specifically, if they've had doctor's appointments, if they've met with social workers for potential adoption, what foster care could look like, all different realms of growing your family, we talk through. Mm-hmm. And what's great is for, you know, we have, because each of us has walked this road for quite a while, we also have resources outside of Wilmington. I have a lot of friends who've pursued different routes of, I call it family growth. And I can connect them by phone or by text and just say, if you have a question on this specific topic, here's a person, et cetera. So it's really allowed, I think, people to expand their community a bit more. It's totally open with every um, first Monday of the month, (laughs) in case anyone is listening and wants to join. And what's also great is we address every ounce of paperwork that you'll see in a doctor's office. We text back and forth at nine o'clock at night. Did I give this injection properly? I can't get a hold of a pharmacist. Do you have an extra needle I can come borrow? Literally, our conversations have been that detailed. Uh, We have one individual who they actually gave her the wrong needles with her (sighs) medicine. And so she reached out and said, this is the actual one I need. Where do I find it? What can I do? And so I just think... You know, when you can't get a hold of a doctor, we all know, I don't care what you're going through. We all know what it's like to wait on a callback from a doctor. Mm -hmm. And with IUI and IVF, everything is very tightly timed and scheduled. So to not be able to reach anyone is mildly stressful. Mm. Right. So that group has been really supportive in those questions too. Um, And became really helpful to me because we decided to go through an entirely new cycle of IVF over the summer. So we started... I think I began medication, I want to say mid-July or late July, and uh, had our egg retrieval at the end of August. We waited also because my doctors ended up putting me on a really intense vitamin regimen. Uh, definitely they they level set with me and said, it's been almost four years since your last egg retrieval. We don't want you to expect a lot. We just, you know, given... So my issue is egg quality, and they said, just given what your challenges have been, we want you to be prepared that with this advancement in years, it could be really difficult for you to get pregnant. I said, got it, clear. And so we did our embryo transfer. We were really thankful to have embryos to actually transfer uh, to get super scientific. Yeah, can you explain like yeah. the whole process? process. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I want to nerd out on this it's, for a sec. It's it, it to me it's a really incredible thing to walk through. Certainly going through it, I will say a second time with a child next to me I somehow made it almost almost more comical, which sounds like such a strange description, but I did all of my injections in front of her in the morning. And I would just tell her we really Oh, I said, we just really want to give you a sibling somehow. I'm not sure if this is going to be how it is, but <laughs> like injecting myself. Yeah. So we just called it mommy's medicine for the baby. <laughs> it was just such a, 
but we included her in every bit of it. Um, one really funny thing I'll start with is that from the minute we talked to her about it, literally from the first day I started my pills, she said, no, I don't want one baby. I want two babies. So we call her the little bit of a prophetic one, which I'll explain later, but she's a funny one. <laughs> a so a little, yeah, little foreshadowing, <laughs> slight tease, which just allows you to hang on to the podcast a little longer yes. and see, see what happens. So, uh, we, so the process is you do... Oral medication, ironically enough, you do birth control for a couple weeks, which is really weird. Funny. It is very strange. Interesting. What's the purpose of that? A lot of level setting. I think hormonal resets, baselines, they get you to like a totally quote unquote neutral zone. Hmm. And then you begin injections, which typically last two to three weeks. And that you start with two shots a day, then you go to four shots a day. Uh, I think I ended up at four shots a day for a couple weeks. And then you go through the egg retrieval process. So with Hatton, our daughter, I'm getting really detailed now, we had 19 eggs retrieved. They called me egg donor status. I was thrilled. For, yeah, I so wanted to put it on the fridge. Your issue isn't like oh, I not got, having enough eggs. I got plenty. You got eggs for days. <laughs> for days. They just are, I can't cuss on a podcast, but they're not great. Yeah. Eggs. Quality is bad. <laughs> we could just make it okay. explicit. It's, it's okay. <laughs> the big E on top. Yeah. The <laughs> explicit <on> eggs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Double E. <laughs> yeah, double E. So, um, yeah, mine was totally a fertilization issue. So my quality was really bad. We had 19 eggs. We had three embryos that made it. And we have Hatton from that. So this time around, I did a really intense vitamin regimen, which I'm happy to share for anyone who is trying. We did CoQ10 and acai. I put acai in my – I hope I say that cor- correctly. I hope anyone from L.A., please you know, yeah. call in and correct me. <laughs> Um, but I put that in my smoothie every morning and then took CoQ10 at morning and night. And melatonin is also highly recommended for at night for fertility. Good, because I take that every night. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. It helps me. Uh, and so we ended up with 11 eggs from this retrieval. So almost half, but the exact same number of embryos, which to me is mind-blowing. So my actual quality improved substantially after four years, which to me is so indicative of the importance of whole foods, quality yes. supplements, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I mean, we definitely really cleaned up our entire act. I think this go around I, mentally and physically too. I've been hanging out a lot more with Catherine over here and <laughs> trying mm-hmm. to get physically stronger. And I think having the emotional and spiritual support of our community was really important, which I certainly had in Charleston. And I think here specifically having an infertility support group was yeah. really key. Uh, and then nutrition wise, we really, really focused on a lot more plant-based and mm-hmm. now please hear me. I still had plenty of pizza and beer on a Friday night to, Obviously. because, you know, Rice Beach Brewery is the jam. <laughs> so that I think was a, was really supportive to the overall physical process of it. So we ended up with three embryos, um, from, so you have your egg retrieval and literally the next day you get a phone call of how many embryos have made it from that fertilization attempt to the next one. So an embryo is essentially when the eggs retrieve. No, an embryo happens post-fertilization. Egg retrieval. There you go. That's science. Yeah. But that's the embryo. That's the sperm and the egg together. That's what I meant. That's like when they retrieve the sperm. (laughs) That too. (laughs) Well, they have to come together. They swim together. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. True. And there's different methods of IVF too. There's like, there's all kinds, there's actual injection of forcing fertilization there's like just petri dish collision there's all kinds of different types and rates and whatever 
Um, it's pretty crazy. The whole process is a lot. <laughs> it's essentially like scientists like making humans. It is. Yeah, I mean, it really well. is. I think a lot of people have asked me from a faith perspective how that impacted my faith because I do believe that God is the author of life and what was it like to also involve human beings in that process. It's, I mean, it's my husband's favorite party trick when people are like, oh, I mean, do you remember the day that Hatton came along? He's like, yeah, there were five doctors in a room. There yeah. was rock music playing in the background. I mean, it is. it can feel obviously really clinical because it is, but there was something to me, really miraculous about my eyes being wide open during my embryo transfer. And I'm watching on an ultrasound machine, two embryos being transferred to me. And I can, I mean, I see the beginning of life. So to me, it was even more, I think, illustrative of what a true miracle life is, because if it takes all that Mm -hmm. to create life for someone who unfortunately has not been able to do so naturally, that is even more indicative of God's hand in all of it. So I just experienced, I feel like more growth and faith than I did questioning. Yeah. All the things. And but like God created scientific. the brains who came up with this and the scientists <laughs> yes. who put this together. Like that's just madness. Yes. A hundred percent. I mean, that's, and that, I think when I really struggled with, and I have a lot of friends who've gone back and forth on proceeding forward with IVF, which I, I mean, I was in that camp for a very long time. And to me where I ended up sitting was if I was diagnosed with a really significant illness, which to me infertility is, mm-hmm. then I would not. I, I would take every measure to Just at least right. try and and heal, clear whatever it looks like to move forward to the next part. So our agreement was that we would try one time, and if it didn't work, we would never try again. So a lot of why we did a second cycle is because we knew it did work. Mm-hmm. Um, and our agreement was also that we would transfer every single embryo we got. So we definitely risked the, the whole football team mentality. I was a little nervous about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, same as with Hatton. We transferred two embryos, not really expecting a lot. My blood work came back nine days later. So you do that. We did a frozen embryo transfer, which means we do it three weeks after the egg retrieval. So do you still have one left? I do still have one left. We going to use that or? Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to use that. Uh. <laughs> you going to use it? Uh, yeah. I mean, unless somebody else wants it. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, there, that's a thing. Right? It is a Every thing. Adoption yeah. There's an incredible facility in Chattanooga. Uh, wow. Another friend who's been there. Who, they have 600,000 available embryos for adoption right now. It Shut is, up. Yes. Dead serious. Wow. Because well, a lot of... This was like on the uh, Today Show, I think, the other day, how it's becoming this issue that... There's these fertility clinics that people are paying like thousands of dollars a year to keep their embryos frozen, but then like once they have two or three kids, like they don't really want them anymore. So then it's this ethical issue of like, like what, do we just, do we destroy these or like mm, do these people keep paying hard. all this money to store keep it, it there? Yeah. And yeah, so I think hey, if adoption is a I think it's adoption, awesome. that's really cool. It it gets very muddy because obviously you don't know. We did not do any pre genetic screening on our embryos either. We we've never had enough to do it, and we also ha- had personally agreed that we would transfer all. I will say after our miscarriage, we both, you know, you obviously want to do whatever you can to prevent that. But the realization we both came to is that there's nothing we can do to. There's just not a lot we can, there are some things, but there's not a lot we can do to prevent bad things from happening. I mean, yeah, that's right. the kind of the reality of the world we live yeah. in. So, uh, I think that definitely, you know, thankfully our storage fees were not 
thousands. Yeah. I highly recommend our clinic in Charleston. They're awesome. <laughs> they have a really high success rate. And, yeah. uh, it's a smaller clinic, so our storage fees were not terrible. But we actually, we, funny enough that you mentioned that, because on our way to our egg retrieval, we stopped at a restaurant in Polly's Island at like 8 o'clock at night. And we met a man who has three kids who are in their 20s, all IVF kids, and they still have their embryos in storage. Shut up. Dead serious. Because wow. they could not, they just they, they just, just haven't been able to do it. it. And I was like, I I mean, I feel like at that point, I don't I'm know like, what I'm I right do. Baby. But uh, yeah, I just, I, I, you do have, this is one thing, actually our infertility group met last night. And one thing that two of the girls were unaware of is the amount of paperwork that you sign. So if something happens to a spouse and you still have a remaining embryo, I mean, you have to go, when you're going through IVF, you already have to think about these things and sign over just like you would in a will. Um, because even though you don't know what's going to happen, it could potentially result in a human being. Right. So it's a very, I think those are the heavy parts about IVF that we just don't talk about ever. Yeah. Uh, and I personally, well, you guys know I'm kind of on a mission to make those a lot more out in the open. I, I've had a goal tucked away to write a book about our process of IVF, more on like the humorous side, yeah. but like with series pieces in it too, because they're just, I mean, I read tons of blogs on the process and everyone's journey is so different, but I just didn't, I don't know. I, just, I, I had no, if it had not been for my friends who'd already gone through IVF, I would have no idea mm-hmm. what to expect. So like yesterday, for example, we, one of the girls in our group who's been through IVF a lot advised two other girls to request all the paperwork up front and to ask to bring it home because they'll sit you in an office and you have 30 minutes to sign all this paperwork. I mean, how in the world you're supposed to logically decide mm, what right. could potentially happen to a child if something happens to you in the span of 30 minutes when you don't even know if that's going to end up in a child. It's, it's yeah. like your it's head is too process. out of here. Look. It's crazy. So we brought all of our paperwork home and, uh, and reviewed all of it in detail both times. But at any rate, so yeah, we did back to the whole process. We did a frozen embryo transfer. Your options are fresh or frozen. So if you have an egg retrieval, technically you can have an embryo transfer two to three days later after your egg retrieval. Or if you're like me, you do frozen, which is almost a month later. I preferred that. I gave my body a bit of there. Science goes back and forth around what's more successful. I think it also depends on your body and your embryo's ability to freeze and thaw. There's definitely risk there too. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I told my husband the other day, we, he, we both had had some kind of crazy days at work. And I said, you know, we think our job is stressful, but the most stressful job is that embryologist carrying oh your gosh. embryo from a room, one room into your room. For, what if he drops it? Yeah. What if she just trips? I mean, it's that's a bad day. It is microscopic. I mean, that is, that is not a good day. That is a bad oh. day. So, oh gosh, there, that's what you did with that. cotton too. Was hot in the same way? Hatton was frozen. Yes, we said that she lived in Arendelle from the movie <laughs> Frozen. <laughs> that was my sister's. That's my sister's favorite joke. That's great. Uh, that she came from Arendelle. So I love that. Yes, we all th- you were frozen. Yes, that's we did so two cute. two transfer cycles. One transfer had two embryos. One had one embryo, um, and all three were frozen and then thawed and transferred. And the crazy thing is, you do your blood test to test for um, pregnancy, your HCG levels, you do them. I always get the acronym messed up, but you do it, I think it's eight or nine days after the transfer. It's very rapid. So you know within nine <clears throat> days if you're pregnant. Because mm-hmm. it's not like 
having to wait till your missed period and all that stuff because it's already implanted already there correct i mean it implants if it does not implant in the first i think two to three days it's not going to so it's the whole thing just like i still don't get it like mind blown (laughs) even when you and i just talk like how to actually get pregnant besides the whole like sex thing like i get that (laughs) but like that's good news the taking the test and what to wait for and what happens. I'm like, the what? I still don't get it. I don't understand it. So essentially, I mean, if, if I guess it is mostly women listening to this, so I don't have to feel like so. I, no, hope, fine. I hope my husband never listens to, to it. I also hope his boss never listens to it because that's really going to get awkward. But um, I don't think that'll happen. <laughs> I think we're good. <laughs> Hopefully they're all too busy at work. But I think, so in the natural process of how we would normally get pregnant, uh-huh. The reason that you wait so long to take a test is because it can take up to a week for anything to actually form. And it can t- I mean, I've explained that there are various things that can live inside of your body for five days before they actually come together and form an embryo. And she then, means sperm. I do mean that. I can't even say the word, even though our fertility clinic has sperm there ornaments. There are various things that live in <laughs> your body. Things. There are various things. I'm in marketing, okay? It's fluff language. I am too. <laughs> So, you know, the sperm Christmas ornaments are maybe my favorite thing in our <laughs> What? I didn't know that was a pain. They literally, like, in our clinic's office, they have actual sperm ornaments on their tree. It's uh, hilarious. I know what I'm getting back for Christmas next year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lord help. So, that, it, like, and then an embryo is formed, and then that embryo has to attach. So, typically, you're waiting two to three weeks to take a pregnancy test from the first time you tried to conceive when you're naturally trying to conceive versus... An embryo has already been created. So, okay, another example. You know how typically we say pregnancy is 40 weeks? Mm-hmm. In IVF, you get to skip the first two weeks of pregnancy, technically speaking, because the embryo has already been formed. So here's what I want to know. Okay. You have the sex. Yeah. During, m- most likely while you're ovulating. Yeah. Because, you know, chances are high. So then, is that the start? Is that what the doctor says start of the 40 is the weeks. start of your 40 weeks Correct. that night. Correct. Well, or day. I thought it well, was, I guess sometimes it's from the first day of your last menstrual cycle. That's what I've heard. So then it would really go back two weeks before that. Yeah. So That's true. That's true. Which I don't get that. Preg- well, it te- like the actual gestation is 38, around give or take 38 weeks. But okay. they just, it's because you're on a, t- most women are on a 28 day cycle. Yeah. It helps to just like, Make it all round, well rounded. Yeah, round, she, yeah. She's super right. I don't have all my math right. Yeah, my my process is never. No, yours like is right normal. too because yours is. At, you were talking about after the point of conception. Yes, right. I'm talking about when they say you've been pregnant for your yeah. eight weeks along. Right. That always. But you had sex me. six weeks ago, and you're so like, like, yeah. You're like, wait, wait, what? wait a minute. I know. <laughs> when my friends, I feel like that always either confuses when my friend me. got pregnant or my sister-in-law or something. They said that, and I was like. It doesn't make any sense when you can't say you're pregnant when you haven't even had the sex yet. Yeah, and they're like, I know, but (laughs) I can call that. Yeah, so and we all know that. Well, you guys don't yet, but I hope one day you do. We all know that the third trimester is actually two thousand six hundred eighty-two days long, and not really. Oh gosh, I heard the first trimester is longest. I definitely feel like that the milestones, like walking towards milestones. This first trimester, I am pregnant, by the way. This first trimester for me. felt so much longer than with Hatton. And I think that was due to previous loss and just less innocence too around 
Yeah, like what you're can more happen. worried. You're just For like sure. a little more aware. Okay, well, since you just spilled tea, yeah, like, spill more. Spill, spill the tea. <laughs> That's spill the, the pot. Tea. Uh, yeah, so our HCG levels came back really high. We were thrilled. They were the exact same number as the baby we lost in February. And that was a really high HCG count too. So we um, we waited that very anxiety-ridden 48 hours because you in IVF, you have to be retested to make sure your HCG levels are doubling. And what we found out in my previous pregnancy, my HCG levels plateaued for two days and they were waiting to see if they would double again and if the pregnancy would maintain. So I did miscarry really early on in that pregnancy. And so this time around, we waited to see if they would double and they did. And we were really, really thankful. So we scheduled... This other benefit of IVF, you get to go in for your ultrasound super early, whereas typically in a normal pregnancy, not in, they're both normal pregnancies, but in naturally conceived pregnancies, I think you have to wait up until like, I think eight weeks. So we got to go in at six weeks and check to see uh, if the pregnancy was holding, how things were moving along. We went to Charleston the night of my 35th birthday. My ultrasound was the next morning. We left Hatton here with my mother-in-law. So we go in on Friday morning and my doctor looks at me and said, Parker, Parker, oh my gosh, there's two, there's two. (gasps) So our our HCG levels were slightly deceiving because they can be really subjective. We totally thought it was one because we knew we were pregnant with one in February and we are having twins. Yay! (laughs) Twins, Basil. Twins. Do you remember that quote? Is it a thing that, I feel like I've heard that the levels sometimes don't double as much with multiples is yeah. that true I I mean I've heard my doctor when I asked her because obviously I can either confirm or deny that I cried and then dropped profane language on the ultrasound table because <laughs> I was well, shocked yeah. like shocked oh uh, and I laughed her I said you told me to level set my expectations of you know maybe too much coq10 just a smidge but um <laughs> at any rate she told me that hcg levels just vary from person to person I have a friend who's pregnancy test at home pregnancy test didn't come back positive until I think she was nine or 10 weeks because her HCG levels were just, low, it wasn't lower. picking them up. They were just really low. I have another That's friend. Crazy. Yeah. I have another friend who she has just, twins. She like, missed two periods and was like, what the heck is going on? And yeah. it was not Well, and she, I think, was always like fairly, a lot of my friends are super irregular. irregular like, yeah. I don't really know what's going on in general. Oh, I happen to be pregnant. <laughs> it's yeah. Right. A funny thing that happens. But I have another friend who was pregnant with twins and immediately her HCG levels were, they want to see at 50 to 80 or above. And ours were 150 in February and 150 this time initially. I have another friend who was pregnant with twins who her HCG levels started in the thousands. So she was pretty sure it was twins and it was. And I have another friend in the fertility world whose HCG levels were super, super high and it was one. So it really does vary person to person. It certainly can level out with twins. Um, pretty pretty early on they stopped testing in IVF they stopped testing HCG levels typically they do three tests two to three depending um with my miscarriage they did a lot more because they have to make sure they're that the miscarriage is cleared or you require a DNC so which is a surgical procedure and um so I was thankful to be able to naturally miscarry even though that was I mean god help my friends who've done that in later weeks because even at six to seven weeks, it was really intense. Um, but my levels did bottom out then. And so I, I kind of knew what we were looking at and I definitely did not, we were so much more cautious this go around. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were a lot slower to tell people. We certainly told our close friends that knew we were going through IVF. And then 
uh, my family reunion weekend. We told my family that it was one. We had a pic, you know, they knew when the ultrasound was. We sent everyone a picture. And thankfully, my doctor separated both babies. So we sent everyone a picture of the baby. And we were like, yay. And then we were all together with like 15 of my family members and told them it was twins. And my sister didn't speak to me for like a week because she was so <laughs> mad at me. <laughs> Not really, but she was like, you lied to me. I knew it. I knew it. Um, and... Anyway, she was really sad that we'd lost one. She thought that we'd obviously lost another, but it's it's just such a wild it has been a, the whole thing has been crazy, but to feel like we've, you know, kind, you know, one didn't take early on. I think to go through IVF, you start to really see each embryo as potential life. So you get a little a smidge attached. I did. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say everyone does. I did. Um I and then I to, feel like I would too. Of course. I mean, gosh. Yeah. yeah. It's a weird I mean, I remember the first time they called and we had Pretty low fertilization rates, but still we had, with Hatton, six, no, six or seven embryos. And the very next day, we had three. They dropped off like that. And that's a strange feeling. Of course, I did not envision myself with seven children. But I still think we're, we're all aware that every single time there's an embryo transfer, at best, you have a 50-50 shot at getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. So when you know you have seven in your yeah. mind, you're like, Oh, that's that could be three kids chance. like this, yeah. right? And so when it then drops to three, oh my gosh, what if you were pregnant with triplets? Oh, I have a friend in my group that got pregnant with triplets. Wow. Yeah, I, I if I I don't know, mm. <laughs> I don't know what I would do. I know that I love that someone recently was like, "Don't you just trust the Lord will provide?" And I said, "I always trust the Lord will provide." And also, that is hard. Like, yeah. I don't care who you are, that is hard. <laughs> yeah, it's still a lot to carry. Yeah, so physically um, and and. Met spiritually, metaphysically, all the know. things. All she the cracks things. me up. She came to one of our initial, um, she served as kind of a mentor in our group. And it was funny when she first introduced herself, she said, I am not here to walk through infertility specifically myself because we have crossed that bridge and we are done trying to have children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have three beautiful one children. <laughs> they have two boys and a girl and they are just precious. But I mean that IUI, you have a higher chance at triplets than with IVF unless... This is the other thing that can happen. We did a two embryo transfer. Wait, hold on. Before you say that, what does yeah. IUI stand for? Good question. So IUI, you still do, the female still does a lot of injections okay. to increase actual egg count. And then the majority in the infertility world call IUI a turkey baster. It's literally <laughs> timed, well, f- for all scientific purposes, timed insemination is what mm. that's called. Okay. Mm. That makes sense. But it's an actual turkey baster, literally. That's what it looks like. <laughs> cool. Really yeah, it's neat. pretty crazy. And that, you can't really... You can kind of control your egg count. Like, they can decrease your medication or increase it. But there is a higher chance of multiples with IUI because you're not specifically forming an embryo. You're just so if like, you, here you go. Exactly. See what happens. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a literal shot in the dark. Pretty much. <laughs> and because you're already, like... I guess you have all those extra hormones releasing in you, more, yeah. it's more likely to have multiples in that way. Yes. Well, you're releasing more eggs. So typically when you ovulate, you release one with IUI. They're stimulating. You only release sugar. one egg during ovulation? Mm-hmm. God. <laughs> I'm learning so much. So it's a, yeah. No wonder it's hard to get pregnant. Of course. You have a one, you have a 20 to 25% chance. If everything is good, you've timed everything right. You're perfectly healthy. No one has any issues. I think the average 20 to 25% chance if you're knowingly trying to conceive of getting pregnant every month. And on average, it takes women six months to a year. And once you pass a year, typically you go see a doctor. 
That's like the rule of thumb. Hmm. I mean, a year is a long, a year starts to be a long time. I think an average is probably six to eight months for most people. Yeah. Okay, what were you going to say before I cut you off about IUI and IVF? IUI, IVF. You're talking about multiple than your, your oh, friend oh. came saying. Yes. So I, but in IVF, what can happen is you can, so for example, I could have, it would be like a 0.05% chance, not even 0.01% chance, but I transferred two embryos. Both of those embryos could have split and I could have had quads. <laughs> Holy. So you run like quads in, in the, in the fertility community, <laughs> like actual, for, and I have friends with quads in the fertility clinic community. Multiples are not considered a desirable outcome because there are significant risks that come with a multiples pregnancy. So they don't try, like, so in my mom's generation, my mom has a lot of friends that went through IVF. And in that generation, they, I mean, they would transfer multiple embryos at one time, like upwards of three, four at a time. Now, I mean, I had to advocate for a two embryo transfer there's a clinic in Raleigh that will not do a multiple embryo transfer unless you've been through IVF multiple times and it has failed. They'll consider a multiple embryo transfer. I think if anyone listened to the my previous podcast, you may remember me saying that we had 20 minutes to decide with Hatton if we were willing to do a one or two embryo transfer. <laughs> I do so you certainly need to... I think it's important to have these conversations because you have to go in with eyes wide open. I mean, there's just so much that what you don't know like- until you're... Knee deep in it. Like, I can't speak. I'm so overwhelmed. (laughs) Well, this and this transfer was so funny because we walked out of our first one with Hatton and Thomas said, it's going to be two girls. I just know it. (laughs) I just remember thinking, oh, that would be ironic. I actually only envisioned myself with boys only because I, I just, I (laughs) I know how intense I am and I knew any daughter I had would be equally, if not more so. And boy, was I right about yeah. that one. Uh, I could not imagine my life without my little girl. Like, could not. I mean, gosh, she's just the funniest thing in the world. But all that said, this time around, in our first embryo transfer, our doctor said, transferring two embryos increases your likelihood of pregnancy from 50% to 60%. Obviously, both of us leaning towards loving math. We're like, oh, those odds are good. Cool. Two. Bye. Done. This time around, we walked out and she said, I really believe both of these embryos are going to stick. They're very high quality and I feel really good about it. And we get in the car and Thomas said, she did not say that with Hatton. Those words did not come out of her mouth. She feels very confident. So our daughter is prophetic and our doctor certainly uh, was adamant they would stick. And I actually, I broke the rules and I took an early pregnancy test two or three days before my blood test. And it immediately turned positive. Really? Immediately. And I call, I'm friends with my nurse who has been my, my nurse coordinator for the last seven years. And I immediately texted her and she said, oh, it's twins. (laughs) Because it was just like so so fast. Wow. But anyway, it's, that's the, that's the whole kit and caboodle. So I'm technically due the week before my daughter's third birthday, which is May 8th. Her birthday is the 15th. Not that anyone cares, but, um, I mean, I care. Join us at Flip and Fly. Yeah. So uh, if you want to sponsor this Flip and Fly, please feel free. Yeah, please. Because I'll be so tired. But uh, they are likely going to arrive anytime between, if I have zero complications, anytime between April 10th and 24th is what they're estimating. Oh, my So I have three months until I meet these babies. So how does it feel being pregnant with twins in comparison to being pregnant with one? Like physically. That's a great question. Besides the fact that, like, you obviously get bigger faster. 
Yes. Well, you're both looking at me right now, and I certainly look very different than when I was pregnant with Hatton. But that's also because I was throwing up without ceasing with my daughter. Really? Oh, 10 plus times a day. From I started throwing up at about 2 or 3 in the afternoon, and I would stop when I went to bed. Ugh, so it's terrible. For how long? It was a lot. For 24 weeks. Ew. 24 mm-hmm. weeks? Ew. No. Yeah. It was oh hard. My 20, God. well, 22, might have been 22, 20. It was past 20. And were you, like, working full-time through this? I was. Thankfully, I was able to work from home Good. for a lot of it. I cannot. <laughs> like, but, I get a stomach virus once, and I'm like... Oh, it was yeah, pretty rough. Horrible. I mean, I remember driving to client meetings, and well, this just happened the other day. I was driving to a meeting, <laughs> I was at a stoplight, and I just opened the door, threw up out the side of the door, and kept driving. It's funny. I mean, it certainly, it it definitely wore me down. I think the thing that was difficult for me was that I did not feel like I had room to complain about it because right. I had gone through so much to have her. But it, pregnancy, my first pregnancy was it was not easy, and it ended up. I also had a complication. I ended up having ultrasounds every week from 20 weeks to 38 weeks. And she they delivered her at 38 weeks. They, they weren't sure I'd make it past 30 with her. And I think there was just, there was so much about that pregnancy that was, I was just riddled with anxiety from like the beginning. Mm-hmm. I feel like everyone thinks the minute you get pregnant, you just think it's going to be this fun. And for a lot of people it is, this fun, glorious celebration. And I think for me, I was like, someone just put that kid in my arms and I'll yeah. feel good about it. Um, I'd also just walked some really, not walked, I didn't directly walk them. I loved alongside, um, my best friend of 20 years who'd gone through some unimaginable loss. And I think just, and we had a couple other friends from college. I just think witnessing those pieces, this particular pregnancy, especially being a little bit older, you know, when I left Baylor, I had friends who were 23, 24, who were having their first kiddo and I had my first at 33. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think I just had, again, the eyes wide open idea. I just, I probably knew too much. So I was, I think emotionally this pregnancy has been a little more fun because I just trust what's going to happen is going to happen. There's nothing, my word for 2020 is actually release because if anyone knows me, you know, I have a death grip on life. I'm like, I will control every facet. (laughs) That has not gone well for me in general. (laughs) So I just trust that. You know, we talked in the first one about um, the verse that even if not, he is still good. And we actually named our infertility group even still. And I think for me, it's been such a joy to be pregnant again. I wasn't ever sure I would get to. So I'm thankful for that. And I I trust that God's ahead of it. And I also recognize that there's there's nothing I can do to... Right. Short of like driving safely. Yeah. <laughs> there's just not a lot that I... I can do. So I just have to wait. So I think from an emotional perspective, I feel slightly more grounded most of the time. But then just yesterday I was at the grocery store and I think I may have told you this. I looked at expiration dates mm-hmm. of things I was buying and realized that they were like in the neck of the woods of when the babies come. And all of a sudden I was like, Oh, I'm not ready. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. So I'd be lying if I said it and have moments. Physically, this pregnancy has certainly, <laughs> I'm slightly as my husband likes to point out, I'm slightly more front heavy than I was with my daughter um, a lot more quickly. And I think that has been, you know, we talked a little bit about body image stuff in the the first time I was here. I think coming out of an eating disorder in college, pregnancy is certainly an interesting 
road for anyone, but certainly body image. Literally two days ago, I'm starting to get, there, you, a lot of people get a line on their stomach as uh-huh. their abs start to separate. And I started getting mine yesterday and I just <laughs> freaked out. And my husband said, Parker, you're pregnant. It's okay. You're going to get the line. And I was like, yeah. I just wasn't ready for it this soon. Mm-hmm. But now I kind of look and, you know, I have the joy of being able to have ultrasounds pretty frequently because I'm still considered high risk with multiples. And I just can't believe there are two. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe my body is growing two humans. It's amazing. So from a physical perspective, that gives me a lot of just go you yeah, <laughs> energy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I oddly have craved most of the time, I'd say like 70% of the time, I kind of want healthy-ish foods. I did eat a veggie quesadilla right before coming here with a lot of cheese. Um, with my daughter, I was a BLT every meal and just anything to not throw up. So a yeah. lot of saltines. Um, I've still been able to, I wasn't allowed to work out with my daughter and this time I've still been able to a little bit and I have not, I've thrown up like two or three times and that's it. Like total. Wow. So it's kind of been magical in the physical sense, which I, I remember when I found out it was twins, that was actually the thing I was the most afraid of because my pregnancy with Hatton was so hard that I was like, here we go. Here we go. So we didn't even talk about when you found out the genders. It's true. So tell us that story. <laughs> so talk about it. So talk about it. Um, we first found out, this was pretty funny. We were in ultrasound at 13 weeks and our high, first high risk appointment. And the ultrasound, the stenographer who we love, she's one of my favorite ones there. She said, I have an 80% accuracy rate at identifying gender before the normal milestone. What's the normal Do you milestone? Go- I think it's like probably 18 in an ultrasound, 18 to 20 blood work. So this is interesting. <clears throat> you can do, and we did do genetic screening blood work post-pregnancy, but all it can identify is whether or not a Y chromosome, which indicates male is present, but it can't tell you if both are either. You'll know there is at least one boy or it's two girls. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cause they all start girl, right? Yes, they all I'll start X. Start X, and then they add Correct. the Y. Correct. Okay. Bringing back my anatomy days. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Penis. That too. That's what, yes. <laughs> um, interestingly enough, <coughs> excuse me, you can test an embryo for gender. How? So they can do, so you do pre-genetic screening. You can do pre-genetic detest, detection and screening on an embryo. And I know someone who knows exactly how many girl embryos she has and exactly how many boys she has because they take a small section of cells wow. and test them because uh, I, I know that's it. a little. Oh, that's what that's there are a lot of celebrities like that choose. You know, some gender. Oh yeah, I guess celebrities do this. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so the sonographer, a real housewife who just talked about her challenges with that. Of selecting gender. It was really interesting. I found it fascinating to, re- of course, Real Housewives. That would make, I mean, that whole decision is probably hard enough as it is. Like, imagine having the. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, just I would be like, I don't want to know. Just do it. Right. <laughs> well, and I really wanted to stay surprised with Hatton. And I remember my husband made so much fun of me. He said, you think you want to be surprised. You don't. You you know good and well you want to know and prepare. But, uh, so this go around, we're sitting in the ultrasound office. 
And she said, do you guys want to know gender? And without missing a beat, my husband said, yes, we're ready to know. And I remember going, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are there, are there two people in this room or one? I'm confused. Yes, we're ready. And I looked at him and I said, are you sure you want to find out right now? Because before we got in an envelope, we did the blood screen. So with my daughter, we knew, I think we found it at 10 or 12 weeks with her. Um, we took it to my neighbor. She made us a cake. Thomas and I came home alone, cut the cake, whatever else. We didn't do like a big gender reveal thing. Uh, I would have, but of course I'm married to an introvert, so you know, yeah, facts of life. This time around, we found out that it was two boys. Woo! <laughs> That's what they thought in in that room, and that has since been confirmed multiple times. That is wild that she can like how how does she's she... good at her job, man. She's real good at her job. She can she can find that why. <laughs> Science is so cool. Science is so cool, and we did a really fun. Um, gender reveal with my husband's family over Thanksgiving uh, and then with my parents shortly thereafter and my mom was floored everyone thought it was one boy one girl everyone has thought that from the very beginning so we're thrilled that presently Hatton gets to stay queen of the castle and and boss her when do you know if it's identical or not well for I see that's a good question because typically because we did two embryo transfer it's like 99% that Ours are fraternal from what I understand yeah. because they're two separate embryos. Yeah. If you have an embryo that splits, that's, that's identical. identical. And their DNA would have been exactly alike in the genetic screening had they been identical. Yeah. So you, you typically can know pretty early. Um, identical twins, often it can be a much more complicated pregnancy because they share one embryonic sac and one placenta. Mm. I'm much bigger because I have... Two sacs, two placentas. They each have their own source of food, their own space. It does not mean that they don't punch each other. Every ultrasound we've been to, they are literally <laughs> MMA fighting. Incredible. It's amazing. That is amazing. Um, so that you, you typically, I think, can know that pretty early on from what little I know of the twin world. What size are they right now? They're each a pound. They're so give me a fruit. Let me do look they give and you see like what they thing? are. Yeah, they do. They do. Let me. Uh, Did you see the ultrasound picture she put yes. the other day? Didn't one look exactly like Hatton? Oh my gosh, I didn't even like notice. I thought the profile so. of the bottom baby <laughs> looked exactly like Like her. the forehead situation? Like her mm. nose and, yep. That's Thomas to a T. Oh, oh I, sure. Thomas spit Hatton out of his mouth. I was <laughs> just Thomas the, it's has strong genes. Well, have you seen a photo of his dad? No. Oh, I'll send it to you. It's Michael has really strong genes too, I think. So I think that our future children will look more like him, which I'm fine with. He's hot. But, I mean, I can't comment on your husband's looks because that would be awkward. But you, you both are delightfully attractive. Thank people, you so much. That. Thank you so much. That's what I was looking for, but I'll take it. <laughs> so we were actually watching a documentary that had, or we were I'm not a documentary. We were watching, um, looking through family pictures after watching a documentary of families in North Carolina, like that had settled North Carolina, and we started looking through really, really old photos from Thomas's side, and literally there's a picture. I can't remember what his actual job was. Some, I think he was late 1800s, early 1900s, spitting image. Isn't really? It so is so That's so wild. weird that people before us have looked like us. Oh, it's weird. And walked this earth and done their thing yeah. and didn't even know we were so coming. Crazy. So each baby is a grapefruit and 12 inches long. Wow. Whew. 12 inches, that's a foot. That's good job. <laughs> You go with your mouth. That's right. <laughs> but they're all curled up into like a... They are all curled up. So Hatton was 20 inches long when she was born. 
And she was eight pounds. This is what is really interesting. In our ultrasound, my husband was really shocked they were only a pound because I'm 23 weeks. And ideally, they'll come in 13 to 15 weeks. I mean, we want to make it to 36, ideally, if not further. Far, further. further. Don't correct me. Further. Okay. I don't even know. Correct. I should know this. I should, too. Further. Someone just I don't know the someone DM the right answer. I'm gonna just be honest. I, I know, know I know less and few and more those things, but I guess still with that, even though I'm you know right for a living, uh, partially. But at any rate, he was shocked that they still have so much poundage to go, which means I do as well. <laughs> well, twins are typically gonna be a little smaller than yeah the average Most. baby. Baby, I right? do have a friend that delivered two seven pound twins Shut last week. Ah. No time spent in the NICU, which is such a gift. So we'll we'll see how this goes. Wow. I thankfully know a couple rad NICU nurses. So if we are there, we'll we'll have good company. We have an amazing NICU unit here in Wilmington. But yeah, it'll be. I think that's the other thing about when you ask how I feel about this pregnancy. There, every pregnancy has its a, a myriad of unknowns. I definitely feel like a multiples pregnancy has more than I'm used to what I know how to navigate, yeah. I should say. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I've gotten ahead of a lot of my questions more so this time. I think some of you guys might remember that I moved here 30 weeks pregnant with my daughter. We moved in, or 28, I moved into our new house at 32 weeks and she came at 38 weeks and I didn't know anyone in Wilmington. This time around, I do feel like we have a strong community. I've already met with a lactation consultant. I've already you know, talked through um, what my physical therapy routine will look like because I know I'm having a C-section and just getting a lot more prepared mm-hmm. around what yeah. that recovery will look like and just very clear on outreach and, you know, any trace of martyrdom that I had in my life of, and pride of thinking I could do it on my own went out the door when I saw yeah, that ultrasound. Ask for help now. Oh, you know it. So you kind of mentioned, you touched on this earlier about like your faith in that room where it kind of made you see God more. What has this situation or this miracle getting pregnant with twins showed you about God? <laughs> that he will knock your socks off if you give him room to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the other thing it's taught me is that he's never done. Yeah. He's just never done. Mm-hmm. I really... For a long time. And, and I was okay with it. I mean, I really was at a place where I was okay if I was not pregnant again. I totally. I trusted that... I trusted our home would grow and I didn't know how. And mm-hmm. I was really at peace with whatever that direction looked like. IVF seemed just almost more like a scheduled part of my day this go around than like a live or die had to work. It was just, it was just different. I approached it differently. I felt differently. Um, and I do not think, I'm not saying that I think God blessed that. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's any form of obedience. I, I honestly think it's just naturally how I felt honestly, because I was a mom and I knew what that experience was like to some extent. So I don't think that I did some miraculous wonder of like changing my whole heart life and whatever else. That's not what I'm saying, just in case that gets misconstrued. Um, but it did by having had. Yes, definitely. In a sense. Definitely. But you're right. Like, it's not like a formula. Like, do this, no. do that, and then you get your right miracle. Yeah. God's just a giver of good gifts and also a giver of, like, um, what's the right word? 
Unexpected gifts. Uh, oh, so un- uh, unexpected, <laughs> and I would also say like he's he he doesn't promise anything. So like mm-hmm. there's almost like beauty in the waiting because there's so much to learn and grow mm-hmm. through in the patience part. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't think you're getting the good gift, he's still teaching you so much in the waiting and like strengthening your inner woman. Yes. And I think understanding his character through the miscarriage allowed me to connect with God as so much more than a giver and a taker because that is not the mm-hmm. heart and character of God. He is certainly give. I mean, one of my favorite songs is um, he gives and takes away still blessed be his name. Mm-hmm. And I think that that there's a book I may have mentioned it on the last podcast. There's a, a collection of essays by different theologians and Christian authors called be still my soul. And the entire book is centered around understanding God's character through the path of suffering. And I think for me to see his, to truly experience his love and recognize his presence, there was zero abandonment and isolation in that season of loss. I mean, it certainly from an earthly perspective felt really dark and really heavy um, because a lot of other things actually happened right around then. I mean, Mm -hmm. a lot of work things and it was that whole, there was a period of 10 days that were just, it was a tornado of everything at one time. And he was present in all of it. I mean, the reality was, and is, we live in a broken and fallen world. I mean, we're definitely seeing that more so every day. And I think it's recognizing his goodness in the midst of it as, and like, I don't know if I'm explaining it well, but like his, his heart in suffering, he doesn't long to see his children hurt. Mm -hmm. And I think that that collection of essays talks through what God's heart, um, does and how it's impacted in suffering and his walk in suffering and just in the humanity of Jesus and like the whole, anyway, I can't explain the book well because I'm not a theologian or a writer, but it was helpful for me to get rid of the concept of a formula Mm -hmm. to recognize there's not a beginning in addition, a subtraction, and then you get the ultimate gift. Right. But instead he's a God of surprise, a God of wonder. And if we stay open and aware to, and in the simplest places and things and times, I mean, uh, I often experience God the most in, I have a tendency of probably relying more on creation sometimes than the creator because I'm really impacted by nature and, I think for me, I, spending a lot of time outside post-miscarriage was huge. But just sensing him and knowing him in a different way was important for me because it allowed me to detach from the end result of this process of IVF. Like it allowed me to walk it and say, you know what? If this works, great. And if it doesn't, great too. Because how you have already blessed me is beyond measure. So again, I don't, I don't personally believe that God just up and decided to give me twins because of what my head and heart was like. Mm-hmm. I just personally believe that um, his his goodness comes in really surprising ways sometimes. And I don't believe I deserve any gift I've been given, but to see his heart and just to see his reminder of I am not finished yet. That to me was the most profound part of this experience over the last few months which I think I kind of needed to articulate because I'll start crying soon, but 
it's scary to think about having two kids at one time. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. <laughs> and, and knowing that he is a God of purpose and does things on purpose, I know he's not done yet and he's certainly not going he's to be not done gonna when leave come. you when the babies come. You know, mm-hmm. it's like... You did a good job. Bye, Mama. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. So, yeah. That's good. Good work. That's really good. Um, well, we've already asked you these questions, mm. but we're going to ask them again from a different perspective of 2020 and having two Ooh. humans inside of you. Um, we ask the, our, our guests the same four questions every podcast. So, first thing is, what is something that <laughs> She's you... She's like, great, I didn't think about this. I did not at all. <laughs> what is something that you're binging right now or currently obsessed with? We love the show Vikings. It's a problem. I mean, let's be real. We could live in Iceland tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. But truly binging other than Vikings. It doesn't have to be a TV show. Oh, oh. Like, it could be like... That you're just I'm not smart enough to be binging a podcast. Or like um, a food. Something you're like really craving right now that you're all about. I have not had... Oh, Apples and peanut butter have been the go-to thing. So here's an interesting, it's probably the alternative of binging, but, well, everyone knows that it's been, well, Tar Heel basketball season, there's not a lot to binge. We're really struggling, to say the least. Uh, We have a hard time binging TV shows specifically during football season because we are eat, sleep, breathe, all things college and pro football. Mm -hmm. So that has been the general late night television presently. We are thrilled to know that there's no chance the Patriots will win a Super Bowl. That gives everyone. <laughs> I was some actually peace pretty excited about that oh, too. The best. Just because it like mixes things up. Like yes. I just feel like they're always there. They it's annoying. I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> We're done with the dynasty. We're good. Yeah. Um <laughs> but we have been truth, this sounds really cheesy, but we've been binging <laughs> just a lot more communication. We are trying to be more we know that our time's about to get super monopolized, so I feel like we've kind of binged simplicity and, you know, Saturdays with no plans, and oh, that's something that. we're not, we have not previously done. Our Now, granted, our fall was completely nuts, as were holidays, but um, we're kind of, we're, we're loving this space of the calm before the storm, <laughs> the boy storm. <laughs> Which they'll love football in the house. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they'll probably throw. I mean, Hatton specifically requests to watch football, which is hilarious. And then Bless your heart. we've watched her. Watch them like hate sports. Oh, I don't know. And it's just like Hatton, like, come on, guys. <laughs> Get in the game. Get in the game. <laughs> I, I can't think of additional, I mean, show-wise. What, I know we've, my pregnancy brain, it's such a real thing. I can't even remember what we've well, you're watched good. You, you gave us a, a We're lot. We're obsessed with the show Ballers. We definitely have been to that the last two months. Heard that's good. Like it's awesome. Show. Language is terrible, but it's a great show. I mean, welcome to TV now. And apparently this podcast, but you you held your tongue. <laughs> All right, next question. What is something you're excited for in 2020? Oh, I think that might be a little obvious. I mean, yeah. I'm pretty excited to meet the, the little dudes. The little nuggets. Yeah. I'm stoked. I'm really, really excited. I'm excited for that in 2020. Oh, they're Oh, two babies. <laughs> I'm going to need a lot of arms to hold. I'm really excited to meet them. And I had a friend say yesterday... And I loved this, that it's not about finding a new rhythm or balance. It's about building your symphony together, which I'd never thought about, like in our marriage. And I'm excited about big shift coming and figuring out how we complement one another, how we ride the waves of 
sleepless nights and uh you know Thomas works really really hard at his job and it's it's pretty demanding and I think trying to figure that out will be um interesting (laughs) between the two of us and I'm super pumped about where I've been work-wise and recognizing that my identity is not not wrapped up in that and figuring Mm -hmm. out I you know I hate the word balance so not balancing those things, but integrating them. I think when I moved here and had a, you know, I wrapped my last client at 37 weeks in Charleston. Hatton came a week later and I felt so off kilter. I just, I didn't know how to root myself in the Wilmington business community. I didn't know how to be a mom. There was so much that felt uncertain. And I'm so excited to go into this year knowing that I 100% will not have it figured out. Yeah. And that's totally okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. very freeing. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to approach a new season of motherhood knowing that I have zero clue what I'm doing still. I love that. What is something that you love about yourself right now? Oh, goodness. Uh, That question always throws me. And everyone else. And everyone else Mm -hmm. because we're not used to – men would be like, I shouldn't say that. (laughs) But there's a part of me that's like, you know. Uh, I love how – emotionally connected I feel to some clients who've become good friends and my ability to see their true heart for their business and push forward from that perspective. Mm -hmm. I think redesigning what I do to be much more heart led, um, makes me happy. I'm proud of that. Proud of that too. Thanks. Love it. If you could tell women one thing today, what would it be? I think you've already told them like a lot lot of great lessons, a lot of things. If I could tell women one thing today, I think often we fear missing out. We talked a little bit about this. We fear missing out on things because we fear missing the experience on the other side of it. I would encourage women to remember that your story is being continuously written and evolving and I've met a lot of women recently who are in a season of restlessness and feel a stirring towards something new. To me, I believe that that is energy towards something really incredible. Like what's on the other side of that restlessness is good and Mm -hmm. exciting and thrilling. And I think oftentimes it's that waiting process because we forget what the messy middle looks like. Yeah. We, we look back on our life and we see these milestones. Yeah. But we forget the in-between of that weight we've already done. Mm-hmm. So I would just encourage women to recognize that God is not done. And I wouldn't you know, sit around and all cliche say the best is yet to come. Because I think we've experienced some really great things and hard things. I just think it's recognizing that there is beauty on the other side of whatever season you're in. Whatever it looks like. Boom. Love it. I was literally about to say boom. <laughs> boom. 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 <laughs> so good. Well, we love having you on. I love the pod. being here. This is great. Well, I'll have you on again. And when the babies come, we'll just put them on the floor and, you know, let them cry. What are your thoughts on like the day after you get home from the hospital? I feel good about it. You want to put, hold us, put you on the schedule? Honestly, it's when they sleep the most. So we probably should. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have them as guests one day. Know, right, right, listeners? Yes. Them and Hatton. And Hatton saying, those are my brothers. Oh, my brothers. cute. She's going to be the cutest. She's precious. She are, if you ask her now, when do your brothers come? She'll go, April. Ah! She's ready. We think. I can't. I, I cannot. cannot deal with her. 
Well, we love you, and we're thankful for you. Thankful for y'all. And we're we're thankful for you, heart and soul listeners. We need to come up with a name for them. Soul Sisters. Soul Sisters. sisters. That's right. It's already happened. Heart and Soul Sisters.